Welcome back to the Star Tribune's Talking Preps podcast. I'm David Levesque. My co-host is Jim Paulson. Good morning, Jim. Hey, David. Nice to talk to you. Nice to talk with you as well. Um, you, we had said, I'll test your memory here, we had said several weeks ago in, on the uh, podcast there was one player who we were going to, anytime we mentioned his name, we were going to have a little fun with it. Do you remember that player? Um, in, in terms of his name, are you talking about Maximus Sims? That's exactly who I mean, yes. <laughs> the quarterback at St. Thomas. And he yeah. is still fantastic. No disrespect to Maximus. How can you? You can't disrespect a name like that. If you saw Gladiator, you damn sure don't want to disrespect a name like that. But there's a new Max in town, and you're going to tell us about him because you are really high on this kid. Uh, what do you got? I think we're talking about Maxwell Woods, the running back, uh, defensive back, most explosive player in the state Yes, from uh, Chan Hassan. He's just been I, – I, I can't stop raving about this kid. He's one of those kids that I look at. Every time he does something on the football field, it makes you go, wow. Why, how did he escape that? Uh, all those tackles? Wow. How did he outrun those guys? Wow. How did he make that defensive uh, – play as a defensive back? How did he close and knock that ball down? Wow. This kid is a wow kind of a, a player. And Chan Hassan beat the number two team in the state. Uh, number one beat number two, actually number two beat number one in uh, the class five uh, A last Friday when uh, Chan Hassan beat Mankato West at Chan Hassan uh, twenty one to fourteen, and that was a uh, a convincing victory. It wasn't a lucky victory. Uh, Chan Hassan beat them. It was it was a, a good game, two very competitive teams, but it was a, a deserved victory for Chan Hassan, and a lot of it. You've got the player on the team in, in Chan Hassan, Maxwell Woods, who's a difference maker. And that's, I think, the big difference in the game. He made plays when they need to be made, and that's what guys like that do. And it was a game that was interrupted by lightning, and you said that was also fitting. It was. The Chan Hassan players are saying after the game that they had no problems coming back out after being in the, in the locker room for more than an hour and a half after a lightning break, You know, coming out to finish, uh, pick up the game close to 10 o'clock. Uh, they, they were excited. They were ready to go. It was still raining. But uh, what Sam Macy, their defensive end, who uh, has actually committed to play with the University of Minnesota, said afterwards, hey, that's what we wanted. We're the storm, baby. And, <laughs> and that was perfect. I had a big smile when I read that quote in your, in your wrap-up. I, I didn't think, you know, I wasn't out there. I was at a, a friend's wedding, and I was with my daughter, and she commented during the wedding a couple of times, I wish I could be in two places at once because she's a junior at Stillwater. Stillwater is playing their homecoming game which is always cool anyway, but they're playing Forest Lake, who's a very good program, and Stillwater's been playing very well lately. So it was a good football game as well as the pageantry. And so I dropped her off at home, and, and it was about 10 o'clock, and, then, you know, hey, good night, see you later. And and uh, I texted her, I don't know, about an hour later to ask her something, and she's like, yeah, I'm at the game. So <laughs> she got home, changed out of her dress, changed into whatever she wore to the game and got out there. I guess a lot of her friends stuck around. She said they were really loud. It was a fun atmosphere, and – she said, didn't leave my school until after midnight, but what a, what a memory, you know, what a memory. You know, the one thing did come up that I, I have my questions about, and I'm hoping somebody can explain this to me. When lightning is seen in the area, it's the, the officials call the game, and it's a half an hour break until the, the between lightning, every time you see a lightning strike, it's after every, the next lightning strike, you know, can extend the break for another half an hour. Um, at uh, Chanhassen, um, we were in the the break was at least an hour and forty five minutes, I would say. But when they came back out, there was still lightning in the area. I saw a, a few uh, lightning strikes. I saw the flashes of lightning. I also saw some times where you actually see the bolt of lightning that kind of make you go ooh. 
That seemed like it was relatively close, but they never called the game. And I thought that every time the lightning strike was uh, uh, vis- uh, visualized, that added another half an hour on the game. It seemed like at this point they were just wanted to get the game going, wanted to get the game done, and they were con- conveniently ignoring those lightning strikes. Now I know that the, the word is that if it's nine miles away or further, you don't have to um, call the game. I have no idea how you can find out if it's exactly nine miles or not. There's a couple that seem closer than that. But it, it made me curious as to it's they talk about the safety of the kids. They talk about the safety of the people in the stands. And it's something that you need to take seriously. But it seemed like that was kind of secondary to getting the game finished on uh, on Friday night. And I'm wondering if I'm the only person that had that uh, that same observation. I know there's a couple of people in the press box that were wondering that very same thing. Well, why don't you take it to the high school league when you see them tomorrow? That that segues nicely into Thursday's high school league meeting. You'll be there, and what's on the uh, agenda that's that people should care about? High school league board of directors meetings. These things are always these are where things get done, where business happens, where you know things that change happen because it's a board of directors meeting, and you've got uh, um, a rep assemblies and, and that get uh, uh, take their um, cues from these board of directors meetings. Tomorrow, there's going to be action items where uh, the uh, uh, task force that was conceived and put together to determine when boys volleyball, which was approved last year, is going to be held. The boys volleyball, which will be a high school league sanctioned sport next year, is it going to be a spring season? Is it going to be a fall season? There's differing sides to that. Uh, they put together a task force. It seemed to me for a long time that uh, the spring season was winning out because of things like um, availability of the, the courts, availability of officials, availability of coaches. Uh, it would be much easier if you split the seasons up with girls in the fall, boys in the spring. But there are uh, there's factions that believe that it should be a fall season. Um, I know a lot of spring coaches who sent a letter out uh, asking that we take the, uh, that the task force recommend the, the volleyball season, boys volleyball season, be uh, run concurrently with girls volleyball. Um, and they've they've made their their feelings uh, known that uh, there are reasons why you could have it in the in the fall as well. Um, I think that uh, one of the problems is that uh, in the, in the spring, it's, people are warring for uh, indoor facilities in the spring. You've got facilities that are needed for all these spring sports because weather in Minnesota is just too unpredictable, um, and so that's one of the issues. There's also the issue about. Uh, uh, one thing that the uh, spring sports brought up is that there are more athletes in spring sports than there are in fall sports. I think it was like 83,000 athletes in 2022 that competed in spring sports, only 77,000 in in uh, fall sports. Now, that difference is 6,000. Is that Does that mean there's more room for growth in fall sports? That's what they were contending. Uh, we will see what happens tomorrow when the uh, task force makes a committee. Will boys volleyball be a spring sport or a fall sport. Well, and you've said that the, you've been all over this story since it really took shape and got serious, and you said that the the volleyball proponents, they have their own literature and information that say you would be surprised that there are very few athletes who aren't that, – that, that very few athletes that, that are um, in something else and volleyball. A lot of it's, it's boys volleyball, yeah. boys volleyball. Yeah, it's it's. It, I didn't think there would be enough athletes. Like, who's left that doesn't have an opportunity to be part of some team in one of these seasons? But apparently, they uh, volleyball really, uh, boys volleyball really allows for a, a it's a, 
they, they allow to bring a lot of people in that, that otherwise wouldn't be connected to their school through athletics. And and that's kind of what they've been touting, why spring sports are when they uh, think that the game, the season should be held. The uh, boys volleyball club um, season, which is a lot of these high schools have been doing a club uh, sport uh, for the past five or six years, they hold their season in the spring. And their studies have shown that there's very little crossover between uh, athletes that play a, a sport in the spring and athletes that uh, are playing boys volleyball. Is that boys volleyball has been attracting a lot of athletes that weren't doing anything, and so that's that's interesting. And uh, the, it's the same thing with officiating. Officiating has uh, been uh, difficult to find at all sports and all levels right now. That's very difficult. So if you're not trying to officiate boys and girls at the same time, um, that spreads it out a little bit. Same thing with coaches. There's a lot of uh, girls volleyball coaches that are will be coaching boys volleyball as well. So I think that they don't want to be spread that thin either. That's what the volleyball community is touting. But um, there are, like I said, other factions that believe that it should be a fall sport. Thursday morning is the meeting. I believe they'll start at about 930. Is that still? The, yep. Okay. And then there's they generally there's a whole lot of pomp and circumstance and self-congratulations. A lot of patting, yeah. yeah. <laughs> self-congratulations. <laughs> patting each other on the back. Congratulations for being here. Yes, so. and then so probably at least a good hour before they dive into the action items and and then, you know, whatever uh, discussion ensues and, and they, they could very well, I mean, have they said that they, tabling is always an option or do they feel like they have to take action because a decision needs to be made in this time frame right now? You know, there's always a chance to table something, sure. but I don't think that that will happen this time because the season will start next year and they have to have time to prepare to get, you know, transportation, to get uh, facilities, to get uniforms, to get teams ready to go for next season. So I, I would think that that determination that will be um, recommended by the task force tomorrow will be uh, taken, if not acted upon immediately and approved very, very soon. I don't think you're going to see anything being tabled tomorrow. It's not boys volleyball-wise. Are those meetings still in Brooklyn Center? On X. Oh, excuse me. Yes, I'm Twitter, sorry. <laughs> formerly, an X, formerly known as Twitter, um, on, at Jim Paulson. Uh, all one word, Paulson with an E-M. That's where you can find me, at Jim Paulson. Very good. You can also tune into Jim for if you really want to be sure of your football picks, go with Jim Paulson because he's undefeated the last two weeks, six and zero. Oh. Well, but I wasn't before. You were you were leading me going well, into last week. So yeah, I had you right where he wanted me. <laughs> That's just how it turns out. You know, you you the picks that you had. You talked about Maxwell Woods earlier being a wow when you see him. That was my reaction to seeing you swept it again last week. You get we're coming in this week. We're, we're going to start off hot with a Thursday night matchup. It's going to be Eden Prairie at Minnetonka. And how are you? You've seen both of these teams. I have not. What, how do you break down what we can expect in this matchup? As much as I, I want to give Minnetonka at home a chance, they're the number three ranked team in the state, their injuries are just too, are just piling up too high, uh, high for them to actually, I think, be able to beat Eden Prairie, the number one team in the state this week. I don't think Minnetonka will roll over. There's no doubt about that. They're going to play tough. They're going to give you battle. Um, they've won three one-point uh, games this season, which shows that they're, they're uh, a team that's figuring out how to win. But I think this is just a too tall of an order. I think uh, I, I see Eden Prey winning this one. It won't be a rout, but I see Eden Prey winning this one. What do you think? Well, again, not having any firsthand knowledge of the product on the field, I can only look from afar. And, and I, I heard Paul Molitor on Dan Barrero's show earlier this week talking about the Twins' playoff chances. And 
Uh, of course, this is being recorded Wednesday, and so we had the Tuesday victory, and the, and the streak is over, the, the fertility streak of the Twins. But Molitor's point was, he said, I think it's, it, it's you know, you could say that, that the players right now, there are very few that were part of the streak, but if you lose game one, now you're part of it. And so with Minnetonka, they actually haven't played Eden Prairie in two years. They didn't play in 21 or 22. So a lot of those kids that played in 2020 have cycled out. And so they're not, a, you know, so if you have all these new faces, they're not part of this streak. But if you lose again, then you are part of it. And so there has to be a, an urgency for them and, and a desire to, to get on the right side of this this quite lopsided rivalry because they're 1-21 uh, in the past 22 tries. That, that's That's crazy. So I, I just I, I still pick Eden Prairie, but Minnetonka definitely has a lot to. But I guess the, maybe the key is there: is you can't get wrapped up in that because you don't want to be in a situation where you feel like either you can't make a mistake or you are playing so loose that you do make a mistake. Because Eden Prairie will kill you either way. They're a very sundom, uh, fundamental and sound uh, program that very rarely beats itself. And that makes added, that puts added pressure all by itself. And that's the one thing that I've always pointed out about Eden Prairie that makes them different is that when a play needs to be made, they make the play. When it needs to, when they need to get a uh, a big drive, when they need to get a turnover, when they need to do something that needs to be done, that's a program that finds a way to get it done. However, it doesn't. They might put a guy out in the in, in the flat or a guy spread a guy out wide who never plays a, in, in a wide receiver receiver position. Suddenly, they're hitting him downfield for a forty yard gain. Things like that. Eden Prairie finds a way to get the ball into the hands of their best players, and they make the plays that need to be done in key situations. That is a hallmark of Eden Prairie football. So we both picked Eden Prairie. You'll see that in in our picks. It'll be online sometime right away Thursday morning, and uh, you'll be out there at that one covering that. And then Friday we have a couple of good games as well. And so both picking against Minnetonka, we may end up owing them an apology, just like I owe St. Agnes an apology for picking against them the other day. Uh, against Holy Fa- Holy Family Catholic, and they they put the boots to them. They they left no doubt about who was the better team there. And St. Agnes, the Aggies, they're sitting five and zero right now. And the most underrated program in the Metro. They deserve an awful lot of love. Quarterback Landon Mickelson is a guy that we should all know about. He's a six three, two hundred pound superstar athlete kid who would be the, t- the starting quarterback at any program in the state. So I, I think that St. Agnes is a team that needs to be watched. Needs a little love. Well, and, and defensively, I, I can only look at statistics here, but, you know, you allowed uh, six points, 12 points, seven points, 14, and then zero. So they're, they're, they're keeping other teams from, you know, making a lot of, uh, getting a lot of gains against them and a lot of points against them. So that, that's got to be worth something. If you, if, you, if you team can't score, they can't win. <laughs> <laughs> now that's the philosophy I, sh- I come to this podcast for every week right there. Exactly. So, it's yeah. simple, but it's, that it's true. St. Agnes plays. Uh, they're taking their show on the road. They're going down to Austin um, on on Friday this week. So yeah, that's that. That go, anytime you go on the road, it's going to be difficult for a team. But uh, Austin hasn't been world beaters this year by any means. So I think that's a game that uh, St. Agnes can win. Yeah, and then they'll come home and and play at. Uh, well, they'll come home and play at Seafoam Stadium at Concordia against St. Croix Lutheran on October thirteenth, and then they wrap it up on MEA Week Wednesday against Academy Force. So I mean. The schedule looks kind of favorable to, to to run the table in the regular season. I hope I'm not putting, I hope I'm not over uh, correcting my my disrespect in the picks last week by saying you know all right you're gonna eight no regular season. I mean who knows, but but they it seems like that they've they they've got the ability to do it. 
Well, you know, the, um, when I put together this, the state rankings last week, I noticed that in Class 3A, um, we have a couple of teams that get an awful lot of love, like Stewartville, number one this year, number one this week, and Esco, who's got the best recruit in the state, and Coy Parrish, who's going to be a, a gopher next year. But it's, it's, uh, one voter has been putting St. Agnes number one all season long, and I don't think it's that far-fetched to think that uh, the Aggies uh, deserve some love. And uh, that's been an interesting interesting point for all season long, St. Agnes getting that, that number one vote from the voters. You've made a lot of uh, – you get to see who votes for who and everything else. I'm not telling you to disclose who voted St. Agnes number one, although I am curious. Maybe you can tell me off air. But you've been hearing from administrators and even other media types about what to do about the case of Buffalo. And, and that's really – perplexed you and and you want to you know you're trying to do right by these programs and you're trying to juggle strength of schedule versus what your record is what what's the buffalo conundrum well it, it wasn't anything that i i brought up but buffalo is four and one on the season and last week there's only 32 teams in class 6a and so you have to pick 10 to be the top 10 teams and voters they see buffalo at four and one and they think, well, hey, let's put put Buffalo in number nine, number ten. They deserve it. And you know, you've won four out of five games. You deserve some respect. Um, but a couple of athletic directors have told me that one of the issues that they were concerned about with Buffalo is that this is a program that asked for some schedule relief this season. That uh, they're playing in the Maroon Division in the Metro, which is other teams that aren't at the competitive level of most of the other teams in Class Six A, and that they've been playing a schedule that has been. You know, like I said, a relief schedule, something that's a little bit more at their level. Um, and there were some concerns about whether or not they deserve to be the number 10 team in the state where they, the voting, the voters had put them because of the telling the votes. Um, I put the message out to uh, all the voters that this is what the situation was in Buffalo. Um, but I also wanted to make sure that I, I didn't influence, it would it compromise the integrity and undermine the whole uh, reason to have a poll, and that is that everybody vote and then see compile the votes and see who's number one. Um, Buffalo deserves respect for winning four or five games. They've done everything they've had to do, and they deserve to be you know, acknowledged for what they've done. I had one voter that said, I'm going to continue to vote for vote Buffalo because of what they've done. It's not a matter of who they've beaten. It's a matter of what. And that uh, I don't want to be demeaning to Buffalo athletic directors or whether or not uh, assessment. You can never go wrong with having too much information. Your informative email was not designed to influence, and you put that in there as a disclaimer, and I want to say it did not influence me, but how do you like my new Buffalo sweatshirt? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I love Buffalo. I've covered some games out of Buffalo. The people at Buffalo are fantastic. They've got a brand new field. It's only been four or five uh, uh, years it's uh, been open. The best thing about a Buffalo field, there's no track around it. You mm-hmm. don't have to worry about that that distance away from the uh, football field because of the track. It's a field that's designed for um, football and probably some soccer, I'd guess, as well. But uh, it's it's a terrific place to watch a, uh, watch a football game. I've told this story on air, I think, but there was a, a football coach uh, in a district with multiple schools, and he was getting pushback from leadership of the district that, you know, well, we can't give you – uh, a Wyzetta or Eden Prairie type of a situation. He said, just give me Buffalo. <laughs> so if that's not, uh, that's, that's, yeah, that's as good of endorsement as you're going to get, you know? Yeah. You know, there, I was, somebody asked me uh, a couple of weeks ago, what my favorite uh, stadiums are to cover high school football. in, and, and uh, it, my, my 
go-to always seems to be uh, Ettinger Field in South St. Paul, which I love. It's an older uh, stadium. It's built into the side of the hill behind the, fo- behind the, the school. But I was thinking about that. Buffalo is a great place to watch a football game. Chanhassen, where I was out the other night, is another good field cause where half of the stadium is built into the side of a hill. Um, and so there are a lot of stadiums out there that I really enjoy watching high school football games at. And uh, Buffalo and uh, Chanhassen are two of them. Well, I'm going to be enjoying getting back out there this week and seeing some of these games in person. And I look forward to, to reading your coverage. And uh, thank you for your contributions to this podcast, as always, Jim. Talk to you next week.